You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. It's good to see you guys today, and uh, I am glad Dad mentioned about our worship team. I was talking with someone earlier. It's kind of the COVID roller coaster, right? And uh, we have some people that are coming back that have had COVID, and it seems like every week there's new families being quarantined. I think after it's over, we're just going to all need a T-shirt, like I survived COVID, you know, or a little bumper sticker or something. And uh, anyway, it really is great to see you guys uh, today. And uh, we're talking this morning about giving or generosity that pleases God. Uh, my, my kids always have a garden. I'm not a gardener. I think uh, we cut a piece of ground in our yard, I don't know, over 10 years ago. And my one contribution was to mark it up and rototill it. And after that, I'm like, it's all yours. And I pretty much have not touched it ever since. But I get to eat the fruit of it. And uh, I love tomatoes. I don't, you know, zucchinis. I like zucchini bread. Is that okay? But you really don't taste the zucchini. That's just kind of like sneaking it in. So anyway, but every year, uh, just... Sometime late winter, you know, early spring, my kids will start the seeds in our house because they just, they figure that it just works better, it seems like. And so they'll plant the little seeds and, you know, every day and, you know, water it and put it in the sun and all of that. And they eventually come up. I'm being kind of the eternal optimist because, you know, that's only like two months away. Winter's almost over, right? Can we say that? Two months to go? We can survive that long. Anyway, it's so interesting to me. It's so amazing that you plant one little seed. And you put that seed down in the ground, and if it grows, assuming that it sprouts and grows, it produces so many more. And, you know, the the hundreds of seeds that will be in all those tomatoes together is just absolutely amazing. The Bible has a principle throughout it that applies not just financially, but spiritually into our lives. And that the Bible teaches is that whatever a person sows, that's what you reap. Nobody plants corn expecting pumpkins, right? Uh, There's a basic principle. It's a simple thing of life. In fact, the Bible says if you sow to the wind, in other words, things that are worthless, useless, even bad, if you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. Because whatever we sow, we get back with compounding interest. You plant one little seed in the ground and you get back more constantly. It happens in our life spiritually. We can sow to the things that produce life, that that honor God, and we receive so much more. Or we can put our eggs and invest our life, if you will, and sow to things that are bad and evil, and we get even more compounding interest with that. So this morning we're going to see that the Bible, as Paul tells us, that when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But when we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. So turn your Bibles with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, we're going to see what what God has to say to us about our, our, our generosity and about, our, about giving. I'm going to read verse, uh, verse 1, but the real section we're going to focus on is verse 6 and following. But let me start in verse 1. The Bible says this, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. As you guys know, Paul's been talking the last couple of weeks about this gift they're taking up. He's challenged the churches to receive an offering to bless the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem. There was a famine that happened and extreme poverty was going on. And so Paul was talking to the churches about them. And he just said, he said, guys, you don't need me to spend any more time talking about this. He said, you're all over it. In fact, 
You guys have been an example to the other churches, and it's motivated them to join you in this. So I'm not going to talk at length about that. But he goes on, he says in verse 3, he says, I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Hey, guys, I, don't, I, I put you out there as doing a great job. Now we're going to have to come through. <laughs> Make sure that you do this. He says, otherwise, in verse 4, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we'd be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you, to you and arrange in advance for the gift. That's that offering they've been receiving. Week by week, they've been collecting to, to give to Jerusalem to, to be prepared for that gift that you've promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Something that you guys are doing voluntarily, not a tax or a mandated thing. Here's where we're going to focus this morning. The Bible says this. The point is this in verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he is decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Pray with me, would you? Father in heaven, I thank you uh, for this new morning. I know, Father, that there are some at home, uh, either with COVID or under restrictions or being quarantined because they've been exposed. And uh, Lord, I'm also thinking of those that have re had recent surgery that just are... Uh, getting healthy and recovering at home. Lord, I pray your blessing on those individuals. God, uh, thank you that we can look to you. And Lord, as we have weeks to go still, months in this whole COVID thing, uh, Lord, I just ask for your mercy. Father, we're, we're tired. We're tired of it, to be honest. And uh, we would love to have a COVID-free day, but Father, we know that's not going to happen. So help us to endure. Help us to, to grow and to walk before you in this season, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Four principles that I want to share with you. They're very simple, but are profound in our life about the, the kind of giving and the generosity that, that pleases God, that God looks for in our life. The Bible tells us that in verse 6 that when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly, but when we sow bountifully, we reap. We gain bountifully. So the first principle is this, is the, the principle that God loves when we give generously. And we give generously because we trust God. What God is looking for is our just a generous, willing heart to, to give sacrificially, to give graciously and, and freely. And God loves that because we trust Him in the whole process. You see, when we give away something that we have, it's a demonstration of our trust and our faith in God. We're saying, God, I trust you. I could use this, and I have plans for this. I could use this in, for something that I need or something else that I want to do, but God, I'm giving it away because I'm worshiping you. I'm honoring you, God. It's really a, it's an out of an overflow of my, my worship towards you, and I'm trusting you to take care of me in my life. You see, when we think about the kind of giving, 
The, the first reason that, that often people don't give is because they don't trust God. And instead, we, we, we consciously or unconsciously trust the things that are tangible, what's sitting in our bank account, what's in our homes, what we hold on to, those kinds of things, our jobs, etc. But when you and I trust and honor God in every area of our life to where we say, God, I'm trusting you for this, then it makes giving a lot easier because we're not trusting that which we're giving away. We're not putting our hope, we're not putting our security and our future in that. We're putting our hope and our security and our future in God. Now, the reason, another reason why generosity is a, is a, a testimony, if you will, of our, our giving to God or an act of trust, look what the Bible says in verse 8. Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound and overflow to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, all sufficiency, all things, all times, you may abound in every good work. Here's what Paul is saying. He says, guys, when you give generously, and this offering, I'm encouraging you to, to do that. And when you give generously, you're trusting God because God is the one who's able to provide. Even as you give away, He's able to provide other things to you. He is able to give you all sufficiency at all times and everything for every good work. In other words, we're actually trusting God that not only God, I'm going to give this away, and so I'm trusting you to provide what I need. But God, I'm actually trusting you to provide what I need so I can give something away to the next person and the next time. You see, this is an amazing thing that when we begin to realize that the resources that God puts in our hand are to be passed through, not just to stay with us. The goal in life, as we saw in the video, is not to, 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 to lavish and embellish our lifestyle. That's not the success of life. It's so easy to have so many things and to be so miserable in life and to want more and more and more. The real issue is where is our heart in all of that? It's not, it's not wrong to, to have things. To be honest with you, everyone in this room lives above and beyond what the average person in the world around us lives, and we shouldn't forget that reality. But our, our life is meant to be a, a pass-through, that God blesses us in turn so that we can bless others. And when we live that generous life, it's really an act of our, it's a demonstration, it's an act of faith in a God who's continued to provide in our life what we need tomorrow and what we need the next day. And in the process to help us to be a blessing to other people in the future, that He's able to provide that. You see, there's a principle here that when you and I trust Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, that's the big trust, that's the big step of faith, that it ought to be easy for us to trust God to take care of just our physical, our daily needs. You see, that's the small stuff. Think about it this way. If I, you know, go to uh, have my car oil changed all the time, you know, say maybe I go to one of these little convenience places or something that just kind of changes oil, your battery or whatever, and I discover I need a new transmission. They're not going to be able to change my transmission. So I take my car to another place that can change my transmission because I can't do that. I don't know how to do that myself. And if that person, that shop, that those mechanics replace my transmission and they do a, a really good job to it. They charge me a fair price and all of that. Wouldn't I trust them in the future to change my oil? My oil? The transmission's the big thing. That's the big thing. If, I, if we trust them to do the big stuff, the other stuff is little. Now here's the thing, Christian. 
When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the big thing. You're trusting your soul to Him. You're saying, God, I want my whole soul to have salvation. God, I'm trusting everything I've got to you. God, I'm putting everything in for you in my life. It ought to be an easy, natural step for us to say, well, God, I guess I can trust you with my money. I guess I can trust you to give me food today and tomorrow. I guess I can trust you to put clothes on my back. I mean, you saved my soul. Jesus died for me. I ought to be able to trust you for the little stuff. You see, that's what the Bible is talking about. Look forward. I didn't read the passage. I'm going to read, the, read all of this in a minute. But look, look ahead in what verse 13 says. That this is the way that the, the church, when the, the Corinthian church gives their money away, it's going to have such an impact in the other people's lives that receive it that they're going to glorify God, he says in verse 13, because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others. Paul says this, they're going to glorify God because of the submission that you submitted yourself that comes from your confession. In other words, that you're agreeing with, that you're speaking out of the gospel of Christ. Here's the thing. When you and I are generous in our life, it's a testimony to our faith, not just in God generically, but it's a testimony to our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, when we trust God in the small stuff of our life, it points back that we have already trusted God into the bigger stuff. It points back to our relationship with God in heaven through Jesus Christ His Son because that's the biggest thing in our life, that we've trusted everything to Him. And when we surrender our life to Him, asking Him to forgive us of our sins, not based on what we do or our goodness, not trying to be good enough, but instead trusting His good enoughness, His goodness, His righteousness, and the penalty that He paid on the cross, when we trust that and go all in with Him, then every little act of faith in our life is a testimony, is a, is a, a sign, a points back to the faith that we have in Jesus. You see, show me a person who's generous in this way out of an overflow of their relationship with God, and what we're seeing is the gospel of Jesus Christ on display. So the first thing that God loves for us is that He loves us to be generous. It's a, the giving that, that pleases God is for you and I to give generously out of an overflow of our relationship with Him through the gospel. Second thing that Paul says this morning, he tells us that we should give decidedly. He says, he says in verse 7, each one must give as he or he or she is decided in his heart. That it's a decision that we make. Not, we, not a giving on a whim, not because of an emotional appeal, not out of a guilt trip. I'll talk about giving voluntarily more in a minute. But it's something that we consider and we decide. So we give decidedly because we see the giving as an investment in someone else. We see it as an investment in God's kingdom. You know, another reason that we struggle to give is because we might trust Jesus for the big things, but somehow we struggle for the, to trust Him for the little things. But an, another reason is, is when we give, we almost see it as we're losing it, almost as if we're just 
throwing it away, throwing it to the wind, almost as if it's gone. And instead, we really should see it as an investment in those that we're blessing, those that we're giving to. We should see it as an investment in God's kingdom. Most of you, as you get a paycheck, you know, every week, or the direct deposit in your bank, or however that rolls, right? You know, you've got some things that you're taking out because you have to, because, you know, Uncle Sam says, and, you know, you've got to pay New York their share, and you've got to pay the federal government their share, and all of that, right? But you probably have some taken out that's your own choice that's going to your retirement, okay? You don't cry so much about that because at least that's going coming back around to you, right? It's going into an investment fund that you in turn one day want to retire and be able to draw on that. So you don't cry when you are in essence giving that money away into an investment. Here's the thing. You and I in our thinking, when we see our life as an overflow of our relationship with God, that God owns everything in this world, He owns everything that we own, and we begin to realize that our life is a pass-through, what we really should be saying is, is, I'm not just giving this away. I'm not taking a $20 bill and lighting a match to it and it's disappearing. I'm actually investing it in something else that's worthwhile. I'm investing it. I'm investing it in those individuals. I'm investing it in those ministries. I'm investing it for the, the kids that we heard reported from the, the ministry. I, I'm consciously giving that as an investment for God's kingdom. And so it's a decision that we make. Paul says, guys, you, you don't need to be guilted into this. This is something that you decide what you want to do. Consider what the need is. Consider your ability to meet that need and make that connection. That's what Susan and I, every year we do. Is it, usually when we were younger in our, our marriage and you know just still figuring life out, was, we, these would be longer conversations. But every year we reevaluate where we are financially and you know how what we're going to put into this part of our budget and you know making sure that we've got enough to feed the kids and clothe them and everything and, and take care of, of uh, what they need. But every year we would reevaluate our giving, what we're giving away to others. And we, we still have that. It's a kind of a passing conversation now because we've been doing it so long, we kind of know where we're headed and those kinds of things. But it's a decision that we choose to make. We give our church 10% of all of that, and we give on top of it to various other entities. My wife has a spiritual gift of giving, which makes me swallow hard. Usually once or twice a year, she'll kind of come into my, you know, my, my office and whatever and, and say, can we, can we give? And she'll fill in the blank to you know, all these ministries, and I'm looking at her and like, what? I thought we were already doing a lot. And, uh, and actually, it just, I'm, I'm glad to do it. She manages the budget. She knows what we can do, and she moves things around because she just has this, this desire. It's a gift that God has given her, and I'm grateful that she leads us in that area. So, But it's a decision that you and I make along the way. Now, part of that decision, guys, the challenge is, is that most people, and definitely us as Americans, we tend to live above our means. And we tend to live and think we need more than we do. And our, our list of things that we want to buy, me included, is always more than the list of things that we want to give away to, right? It's, it's just the way it works. And so if you and I really want to become generous givers, it means that we have to get used to living on less. We have to trust God 
And as we work out our budgets and our plans and all of that, we have to build margin into it. So we have the ability to do that. For Susan and me, even like one-time year offerings, we will put set aside in our budget month by month the things that, that we think we want to we have cash left over so that we can give. It's a decision, a life that we choose to live. Paul tells us, guys, give generously, but you make the decision. Figure it out, decide, and it's your decision. Third thing, not only should we give decidedly, but, but the giving that pleases God is when we give voluntarily. He goes on in verse 7, he says, Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We shouldn't, it's like, oh, do I really have to? Shouldn't be guilted into it. But we should give voluntarily because we love those others. We love God and we love the others that we're giving to more than ourselves. Not under compulsion. And this is not a tax. We shouldn't see generosity or giving because God wants this. As a, it's not a thing that God needs. It's not a tax that God's demanding on us. To be honest with you, He's just trying to teach us that He takes care of us and wants to use us as a tool to be a blessing in other people's lives. So it's something that we do, we do voluntarily, just of our, our own free will, not to be guilted or shamed or manipulated, not to allow those other individuals to do that to us, but something that we get to do rather than we've got to do. As I think about it for our lives, it means that, that you and I, our whole mindset should shift, that, that we get to bless other people in our life. It's something that instead of seeing God as a not assigning a tax to us, like, like in the Old Testament, the Bible had tithing, right? It's a 10%. If you were a, a follower of God, you had to tithe. In fact, Dan shared a couple of weeks ago, the reality is there were multiple tithes, and it was way more than 10%. And even that was not a tax, but it was a more of is more than a guideline. Like it was a rule. If you follow God, you needed to give that exact amount. And sometimes you will hear churches and Christians say today, "Well, in the New Testament, Bible doesn't teach anything about tithing. It just says give generously." And what is that? And I always find that interesting because it seems to me most often when people talk about that, they're not so much trying to say, "Hey, we can give more." Usually they're trying to say, hey, we can give a lot less. Think about it this way. The Bible doesn't give us a specific amount in the New Testament it, to give. Jesus didn't come. Jesus taught about tithing briefly, but he didn't really give us a specific amount. In the old part of the Bible, the tithe was both a minimum and a maximum. It was just like, hey, that's the amount, right? It was a minimum level and it was a maximum level. When we get to this passage and other passages in the New Testament, we usually think of tithing, you know, that whole tithing or not discussion is usually about the minimal amount. But actually, the Bible moves the maximum away and says, give generously, and you decide. The way Susan and I roll with that is we feel like tithing is a good benchmark for us. Like it's just it's a healthy guideline. It's a good thing to do. And then we give beyond it because we want to give generously. So we do it voluntarily. No one has you know, told us that's what we have to do, but it's a, a decision in our life. And there's a blessing when we do it this way. And that leads me to the fourth thing, that we should give joyfully, joyously. There should be joy in our heart. 
We should give as we decide in our heart, not reluctantly under compulsion. And here's the explanation. For God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want to give it to us begrudgingly. When you were a kid and you went, had a birthday party, how would you have felt if you know, some of your friends, your house or your parents were like, well, here you go. I guess I got to give it to you. I'm your dad after all. You know, I got to give it to you. You know, that doesn't feel very good to us or to God. Instead, God wants us to be the excited people that says, God, I, we get to give this to you. There should be a, a joy because we see the bigger picture that we, we, we give voluntarily because we love other people more than ourselves and it's about what we can give away and we value that. We put a, we put a price tag to it, not just on the, the car that we need or the things that we need to buy for ourselves, the lifestyle that we're trying to, to, to finance for our own life, but we love others and we give away. But there should be a joy when we think about the bigger picture of how this whole thing works. I want to finish the rest of the passage that I didn't finish reading initially. Look at verse 10. The Bible says this, talking about God, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He says, when you give away, God is the one who increases your the reservoir out of which you're giving. This is not a health, wealth, and prosperity sermon that our TV preachers are so good at doing. You know, give me, you know, send your money in for 1995. I'll give you a prayer cloth that'll bring all the healing in your life that you need. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. And shame on those guys for for sharing it like it does. But there is a reality that God says, look, if you give away, I'm going to replace that because you're trusting me. But not just that, there's also a spiritual side to it. I'm also going to increase your righteousness. You catch that? It's not just a financial reaping that we get, but there's a righteousness, a godliness that we get to enjoy, that we get to experience. He says in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way, not some ways, but every way to be generous in every way, which through, through us will produce thanksgiving to God. God is, God is given to you because He wants you to be generous. But the deal is He wants you to be generous, not just to be, a, to be used, not to be used and abused, but He wants you to give away because in turn, He wants to bless you and increase your righteousness. And on top of that, if you, what he's telling us is, is, is you are enriched in such a way to, to be able to do this well that it brings an increased thanksgiving to God. He goes on and he says, he says, by their approval of this service, they'll glorify God. In other words, the people that receive this are going to glorify God because of your submission that comes through the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity and your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Paul tells us, guys, that we should have a joy in our heart because we see the bigger picture. It's not simply just bank account, dollars and cents to, to the next individual, but there's a bigger thing going on. That God in heaven gets glorified. You see, when we give to an individual or to ministries or to whatever in, in need, 
there's a signal in their life that says, wow, God is taking care of us. It causes them to have a gratitude in their heart toward God. Folks, four years ago when we as a church were broke and we were having those internal conversations, how are we going to do this? There were some individuals outside of our church as well as, well as you guys inside the church that all gave. And I, I, I was blown away. Dan and I were blown away week by week of just the sense of just God stepping up into people's lives and giving it to us to, to, to help us as a church. And it's such an incredible part that it causes a worship and a gratitude and a, a thanksgiving to God in the middle of it. That's what Paul's talking about. He says, guys, it's not just about the dollars and cents. There's a whole bigger spiritual side of this. God wants to increase and multiply our righteousness. See, those are the, that's the fruit that we, God wants us to enjoy for all of eternity. For all of eternity. I have to check myself sometimes because I'm like like all of us, right? You know, I want this and I want that and I want, you know, all these things as we do. And it's okay. God blesses us tremendously. We don't need to live in a cardboard box and, you know, and, and act like, you know, we don't need to become monks. There's not any more spiritual godliness in that than that than living and enjoying out of an overflow with God. But I do. It's easy to always make it about you. And it's always a check in my heart that what kind of my go-to when I'm thinking about things is, am I going to really just enjoy this new toy for the next two years until it breaks? Or this one thing that, you know, that I, I think is just going to be just awesome and great? When I've lived long enough now to realize, yeah, awesome lasts for maybe a couple of months. You know? <laughs> and it goes away really fast. Or would I really rather give that to someone else? and have an eternity of enjoying the fruit and the blessing of the honor to God and the impact of their life. You know, it's, it's even more of an investment than saying, well, do I just want to live it up now and live large now and not have anything to live in retirement? Or do I want to live a little bit lower, put some away, so that I can retire and enjoy that in my retirement years? You see, for us spiritually, guys, we're headed to an eternal retirement in heaven. And what God's trying to do by increasing our righteousness is to, to, to build our reservoir out of which we get to enjoy. And along the way, we glorify and get to benefit on this earth as God. We get to be used of God and a part of that answer to prayer and all of those things. That's the stuff that should produce joy in our heart. Think about it this way. I, I've never been a farmer. I live in the middle of farm fields all around me, cow fields out past us, and it's always funny. We're always, you know, my family will go for walks, and like the goat will be out in the road, or the cow in the middle of the road, you know, like, oh, you lost another one this week. But literally, in my backyard, where it stopped, where we stopped mowing, there will probably be corn stalks, you know, this summer. They'll just plant corn, I mean, literally from there on, on up. And I, I, while I've never been a farmer, I think farmers will, they will wish they could buy their corn seed, right? I'm sure cheaper than what they buy it for. I, I have no doubt. Because you and I want to get things cheaper than we should pay for. But I don't think they ever cry about planting the corn in the ground, about giving it away. Because they know what happens when they plant it. They know how it gets multiplied. And that's what Paul is challenging us to this morning with. He's saying, guys, 
you need to see the resources that when you take those and give, you're planting it in the ground and it's going to multiply. God's going to provide for you what you need. In fact, God's going to provide for you what you need, not just for you to need, but as you give that away, He's going to give you even more that you can give to other people because He wants this thing to build in your life. And not only that, but the multiplication that happens, the overflowing of the blessing in the other person's life and their gratitude toward God, the sense of joy of God using you in your life, the sense of the gospel at work in your heart where you value and love others because... That gospel is Jesus who died for us because God loved us, giving of Himself. When you and I give away, it, we're walking in that same mindset that we're not loving ourselves and making sure we get what's ours, but we're giving away because we love those other individuals. And the only reason we get to that point in life where we love sacrificially is because of that same God who sent His Son Jesus to die for us. And that love that He brings into our heart when we're saved begins to show to others it's that whole multiplication. I'll close with this. As a pastor, I, I've never known what people in the church that I lead give and by design and intentionality for all kinds of reasons. But there was, there was one person in the church that I pastored about 20 years ago who made this announcement to everybody. So I'm not truly not gossiping. This is not a closed door thing. You know, like in the meeting, my, kinda, my jaw dropped on the inside and later on I just, I, I grieved. I felt, I was sad for what this person told me. But or told the group, but we were in a meeting, and uh, I don't remember the, the discussion of the meeting. It must have been about money or something. But he, he piped up, uh, he and his wife, and they were retired, but he said, you know, every week I give $10 in the offering plate for my wife and for me, because I know that way it covers the, if we go to the bathroom, it covers the water that we use, and we sit here and take up, you know, enjoying the heat or whatever, and I just thought, Wow. I knew him to be pretty miserly in life, but I didn't realize he was that miserly in his thinking. And I thought, my goodness, he, he, he had a really good job growing, you know, through this was not a financial issue of need in his life. And what was sad to me was, is he missed out on a lifetime of joy. He missed out on a lifetime of blessing, of being able to tangibly trust God and watch him give away and watch God supply and provide all of his needs. He missed the presence of God in his life because he was so austere even how he lived. He didn't even really enjoy the money he had. And he missed, missed out on all of that. So often in churches, and I'm grateful that you guys, this is not an issue for us. I mean, when was the last time we talked about giving here? We're only talking about it these two or three weeks because it's what's in the passage that we're, as we walk through 2 Corinthians. But I, I'm grateful to be a part of the church where we, we just give and we just trust God to provide what we need. Because you see, when we do that, we grow in faith. We, we live in such hope. We don't live in fear. When you're not generous, you live in fear and hoarding and trying to keep. And you, 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 Your whole life is defined by consumerism rather than generousism, if we could coin that phrase. And when, you, when, we're not, when a person's not generous, there's just a, a lack of walking in that, that joyous fellowship with the God of heaven. And what Paul is challenging the church to see is this whole bigger thing that's happening. And I'm so grateful because it's a challenge to you and to me. See, the issue isn't how much we give. 
That's really not the issue. The issue is what's in our heart. The issue is our motivation of our life and our soul and to give. And God says, guys, if you want to reap more in your life and in my kingdom, then give more generously. And if you don't want to reap more, that's okay. There's a limit in my garden or my yard. I have a much bigger yard than what our garden takes up. I don't need any more zucchinis and cucumbers that come into my house every year. I maybe could use a few more tomatoes, but not any more zucchini and cu cucumbers. That's, they're not my thing, right? So we put a limit to what we give. And you and I have just been told to do the same, to decide what we want to give, to what kind of harvest we want to receive. But as we do it, give it joyfully, make those decisions, invest, love others, and give, but do it generously. So I'm going to leave you this morning with thinking about that. Maybe you've struggled to trust God in the middle of it. Maybe you're in a season where God is trying to teach you to trust Him. See, we don't wait to give till all of our bills are paid and all of our debt is gone. Susan and I still owe on a home. I would probably be married most of my life if I waited till we had zero debt completely before we gave. We as a church don't do that. We give, we have a, still have a mortgage on, on our property here. It's a fairly modest mortgage and it's a very favorable interest rate. And the interest that we do pay actually doesn't go to a bank. It goes to an organization that turns around and helps other churches. So I get excited about that. But we don't wait to give money away as a church until we're out of debt. It just doesn't work that way. And so we give even while we still have needs in our own life. And so maybe you need to step forward in that. Maybe you need to trust God in that. I don't know. Hope maybe this has just simply been an encouragement to you that you're on the right track. But whatever God has been speaking to your heart as I've been talking this morning, let's take that step of faith and trust Him. Let's rejoice that the gospel flows, that shines brightly in our life when we're generous. And when the people around us wonder why and where we're doing it, it truly is because we love Jesus and we love them. That's our simple motivation. So I'm going to pray with you and, and we're going to close our service. And I want you to take that next step. And whatever it is you feel like God has spoken in your heart about, as I pray, you can kind of make that commitment in your own heart between you and God. So let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you that you give us all that we need. God, thank you that you not only commit Jesus to us to save us from our sin, but Father, you take care of the little things too. And our bank accounts, while they seem big to us, they're the little things. They're the small things to you. Our soul is so much more valuable than what our home or where we live or the car we drive or the clothes we wear. So much more valuable than all of that. God, I pray that you would help us to have the right attitude and heart toward money. Lord, you know that as people, we tend to give ourselves to idols, to pursuing things instead of you, to pursuing things is more important, to put our trust and our hope in tangible things that we see and not in you. And God, I pray that you would show us when we are taking those steps, when we are trusting in our own bank account rather than you. And Lord, thank you that as we give away, it has a way of healing our heart. It has a way of just putting our priorities where they're supposed to be. 
Help us, Father, to be a generous people. I'm grateful as a church that, that we've been able to be generous even in difficult times financially. And Father, as we right now are in a season of blessing financially, I pray that you would help us as a church to be generous collectively, even with that, not just individually in our own homes or our personal lives, but Father, together in the resources that we pool and receive every week. Lord, we want to be generous. We want to multiply your kingdom. And Father, how most selfishly, I want us as a church to reap a harvest in eternity uh, beyond normal. So, Lord, we commit our lives to you. Speak into our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, God bless you. I hope you have a, a blessed week. And uh, maybe God will give you an opportunity this week to be generous to somebody. If you do, see it and give. Do what he leads and puts on your heart. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.